Welcome to the Wealth of Wellbeing podcast with your host, Christy McCarley. If you are in the pursuit of your best life, then you've come to the right place. This podcast is a collection of tips, tricks, stories, and reminders for us to live by. My aim is for you to learn something, feel better than you do right now, and hopefully become a more positive version of yourself. Let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome back to The Wealth of Wellbeing with Christy McCarley. Today is episode 24, and we will be talking about our gut health and how important it is for our overall well-being. And obviously, I'm going to start with a bit of a chit-chat about my personal experience with my gut health. Then we're going to move into a little bit of a why is it so important for you. And then a few tips and tricks that I've learned through my experience with my gut health and trying to repair it. Now, I've made it a part one because clearly I do not know everything. I'm not a health and wellbeing specialist, at least not at this point. And I also am still learning. So I will come back with a part two at some stage. I just don't know when that will be. So let's start off with what my experience has been. So if you've been listening for a while now, you'll know that I am gluten intolerant. And I haven't always been. It's been for probably the past three years or so. But if you haven't heard my journey of how I became gluten-free, I'll make it a long story short. My stress levels were very high and very consistently high for a long period of time. We're talking probably about nine to ten months. This impacted my overall health and well-being, and in particular what I was eating, how frequently, to the point where I'd try and eat and feel sick or upset, and so I'd eat less. I went to see my doctor, and she knew that work wasn't going to calm down in a big fat hurry. So she suggested to me that I trialed being gluten-free. And I wouldn't say that I instantly felt relief, but along with other tools and techniques, I did start to become better. So that's my reason why. When people sometimes say, oh, it's so much healthier to be gluten-free, I actually would disagree with you. Some of the nicest treats that I can think of actually stem from gluten-free treats. So yeah, I'd argue that point till the cows come home. Now that I'm three years into being gluten-free, I'm a little bit over it and I'm not proud to say that I am and I do not wish for it to be a long-term thing. So I've obviously taken a huge interest in my gut health since this period in my life and it's mainly because I really did not realize the effects of stress on our body and actually I should do a whole nother topic just on that alone but so for me I didn't really realize as well how much our gut health can impact our lives and so your gut can be impacted by many factors but for me 
obviously I've said about stress and also for the majority of us females, our hormones are a great deal of a stress on our uh, gut health. So why is it so important for us to work on our gut health? Because the state of your gut can impact your health and well-being and thus your overall happiness. And why is that? Because our gut helps us digest our food. It supports our immunity. It helps with our heart and brain health amongst all other things. And without looking after these factors within our body, we're never going to feel good. So it's a crucial part of our body. So what is it that I am trying to do now about the fact that I know that my gut is struggling? And let's go into a few of those. So obviously reducing stress for me is number one. I care a lot about the things that I do. So I care about this podcast. I care about my job. I care about my family, I care about my friends, I care about my volunteering, I care about the food that I create, I care about the gym and playing good at indoor netball tonight or whatever the case might be. I care about every aspect of my life and so because I care inherently, I want it to succeed, I want it to go well and so I put excess pressure on myself and sometimes I become a bit of a yes man I take on too much and inevitably I find myself in a stressed situation so limiting my stress means to me having boundaries saying no to people occasionally not feeling bad about it also making sure that I have a nighttime routine so I'm getting decent enough sleep. So I've now reintroduced reading a chapter of my book every night before I sleep. So I'm going to try and stick to that because that's a lovely way to relax before you snooze. Also making time for your self-care routine. So whatever that looks like for you. So there's lots of things like that. I won't go into stress management techniques today, but lowering my stress is what I'm trying to do to support my gut. Second thing that I'm doing is trying to introduce gluten back into my diet very slowly. Now, this is not necessarily going to help my gut, but it's part of me trying to get back to a stage where I can consume it and not feel adverse effects as a result. So after three years without any gluten, I'm genuinely very nervous about bringing it in over time. Even this week alone, it's been really interesting. We've been doing HelloFresh and it's been really great in terms of giving us recipe ideas and what's been good about it is it actually doesn't have a specific gluten-free menu. And so what that means is some meals, it'll come with flour tortillas, it'll come with already pre-crumbed chicken, things like that. Now normally I would avoid those things completely or they'd be gluten-free alternatives and I'm still definitely eating in that way. But we had a lovely lentil dal the other night and it came with these flour tortillas which are meant to use as a substitute for naan bread. And mum had cooked them up and they looked delicious and I was like, oh, maybe I'll try it. And so I did. And was there really many impacts to my body? Probably not a lot more than legumes would have anyway. So 
that was a pass for me that was like yep cool but the point I'm making is I'm trying to reintroduce it slowly but surely and just testing my body and testing what my body does you'll actually be very surprised that some of your intolerances may change dramatically over time and so keep an eye on it and don't be too strict would be my advice and also test yourself and have a food journal if you're very interested in this sort of stuff and then note down how you were feeling after introducing it back in. I'm also starting to take a probiotic which means that and by starting I mean I've been doing this for at least six months and the probiotic the purpose there is to add additional healthy gut bacteria back into your system. So obviously if there are is gut bacteria that is affecting your gut in a negative sense, adding more positive gut bacteria in is obviously going to help alleviate some of that. So do your research on what ones are going to be better for you and your body, but that is something that has been working for me. The other one I've been thinking about is limiting artificial sweeteners. The amount of people who consume artificial sweeteners on a regular basis is quite concerning. Not in terms of the consumption of artificial sugars or sugars in um, in total. What I'm talking about is our ability to substitute sugar for artificial sugar and accepting it as normal. What I've found is, you know, like people would get on that Coke no sugar bandwagon. And I wanted to get on to it because we bought some at the office and people were having one. And I was like, oh, that would be nice. I haven't had like a soft drink in years. And so I'd have one and then I'd just feel a little bit more bloated. It wasn't necessarily the carbonated beverage. And then I'd have, you know, no sugar or low sugar chocolate, which had like sweetener in it instead of sugar. And every time after these certain things... I would realize that it's actually probably less impact to my body and my health and well-being if I just ate the sugar. So what my advice there with artificial sugars would be is, or artificial sweeteners, is make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and also test whether it actually has detrimental impacts on your body or not. It might actually do more harm than good for you. So just keep that in mind when you're trying to opt for this healthier alternative. Might actually not be the best for your gut or how you're feeling in your body. The other ones I'm thinking about is not having pre-workout or coffee on an empty stomach. This might hurt quite a few of you. Shout out to one of my best mates because it's going to hurt her hearing me talk about it again but I'm not a coffee drinker so I wasn't drinking coffee on an empty stomach but I had started taking pre-workout probably last year found a nice brand which was a natural pre-workout which had green tea extract I think it had grana in it which apparently is natural now that I'm thinking about that's not that natural so irrelevant but what I was finding is that I'd wake up in the morning wasn't bloated at all then I'd go and work out and then after the workout I'd be bloated bear in mind I haven't eaten anything so all I've consumed is the pre-workout and my water in the morning and so what it boils down to is since taking this out of my diet 
I was really nervous about my energy levels within my workouts because obviously you're taking pre-workout to fuel your workouts. But what actually ended up happening was the bloating was reduced and ultimately my energy levels didn't really change that much, which did surprise me. So it might have almost, to me, been a little bit more of a placebo. Now, for some people, they take their pre-workout like they should have, like as in prior to your workout, as the name states. I was actually drinking it throughout my workout, kind of like a BCAA, if you know what those are. So I wasn't actually legitimately drinking it prior to my workout either. Irrelevant. I've stopped taking it. I have seen changes in my body, as in less bloating, as a result of that change might be something that you want to try if you're finding that that's your experience as well. The last one that I'm going to talk about is cycle syncing. And this is for your females out there. This could honestly be a whole nother topic in and of itself as I learn more. But during each phases of our cycle, there's a method called cycle syncing where the aim is to adjust your eating, adjust your exercise based on the phase of the cycle that you're in. Now, whilst I do not follow this method, I am now more aware of the things to be eating or not eating or the ways in which I should be exercising during those phases of my cycle. And being more aware of that is not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you have to follow it, but it just means if you're feeling a certain type of way, you know what to adjust and when. And to be aware of the impact to your gut during your cycle and also eating gut-friendly foods during ovulation. So the aim of this podcast is really to get you to realize how important your gut health is and for you to make sure that you're taking it seriously. Any and all of these tips that I absorb over the next few months or years, I will endeavor to pass on to you in an attempt to help. I hope you found this interesting. I hope that you had a few laughs along the way. And if you've got any questions, let me know and I will see if I can help. But otherwise, I will talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Wealth of Wellbeing with Christy McCarley. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, you might want to send it to somebody that you know and love. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so so that you can keep getting your dose of Christy every week. Thank me later.